Here we are in week three and coming off an epic game with Texas A&M. Welcome, Buff fans. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Trevor Monroe. And in this episode, I'm going to uh, share my uh, takeaways on that Texas A&M game. I'll get into some of the early season projections that I had and you know where the Buffs stand in terms of some of the biggest challenges they had coming into the season and so forth. Uh, then I will... Um, look at our upcoming opponent, uh, at least what I know about Minnesota Gophers, and get into some of the things I'd like to see uh, Colorado do to win this game. Okay, let's start with the hot takes from last week's game. Uh, It was, first of all, just an epic performance by the defense. They held AM's running attack to under 100 yards. It was the lowest score, I believe, uh, that we've had against a top 10 opponent since the 1990 Orange Bowl win for the national championship. So uh, really an outstanding performance by uh, defensive coordinator Chris Wilson uh, and his crew. A couple of things that uh, I, I saw and the stats reflect is that we really were able to get consistent uh, pass rush pressure. Uh, The team had 15 hurries and two sacks uh, by Terrence Lang and Nate Rodman, uh, both defensive linemen, but the pressure from the outside, especially Guy Thomas, you know, uh, Carson Wells, who brings it every game. Uh, This game also Jamar Montgomery had, I think three quarterback hurries and Robert Barnes, the transfer from Oklahoma, he had some good inside pressure on one play in particular. He really blew up the center. So looking forward to more from him. Uh, it was a it was a no fly zone. We we have legitimate uh, cornerbacks. Makai Blackman, Christian Gonzalez are lockdown corners. Nigel Bethel also got into the action. This uh, saw a lot of snaps this game. And they basically, you know, the A&M receivers were not a factor. And no receiver had more than 19 yards receiving. Uh, and that's, uh, that's not a trivial um, accomplishment, keeping Anaya Smith and some of the talent that they have wide receiver just out of the game. Uh, another key thing that they were able to do is to keep uh, the All-American tight end, uh, Weidermeyer, in check. So... Uh, some of the safeties like Isaiah Lewis and Mark Perry uh, did a good job there. They got help from inside linebackers, uh, Quinn Perry and Robert Barnes in coverage. Uh, Weidemeyer made a few catches, a uh, few important catches, but uh, you know, as talented as, as he is, as big as he is, uh, we just didn't let him uh, break loose. So uh, excellent performance by the back seven all around. Uh, some of the top individual performers, I think Nate Lamon just really solidified his candidacy for the Butkus Award. He had a professional football focus rating of somewhere around 78, so that's pretty high. Ten tackles, uh, three QB hurries. Makai Blackman uh, and Christian Gonzalez were other few of the other top performers uh, from you know that particular rating perspective. The uh, yeah, I think the way that Texas A&M was able to to have some limited success was by turning to those running backs and you know getting them involved in some of the screens and wheel routes. 
Isaiah Spiller, I think, was the leading receiver, actually. He had five catches for 56 yards and, of course, the game-winning uh, wheel route TD. Uh, the other running back, a chain, who's a speedster, uh, really dangerous back. He had a couple, I think, three catches, uh, 25 yards or so. So uh, things I liked, I, I, I did like the offensive game plan early in the execution. We were able to you know, establish the running game. Uh, the scheme to me looked uh, creative, at least. It, it had you know, uh, wide receivers kind of getting into the action with some fakes. Um, Demetri Standing had one carry. And I do think they did a good job, especially blocking uh, Montana. Limonius Craig had high, high blocking ratings. Um, but they were able to, you know, with the scheme uh, and other things, I think create some running lanes for uh, Brendan Lewis, the quarterback, and the running backs. Of course, uh, the Buffs, I think, had some chances. They had some missed opportunities with the field goal, long field goal, um, in, a, in the biggest one. Uh, the one that will probably haunted them that evening was just not being able to convert on fourth and inches inside, I think, the five or ten yard line. I personally think, you know, watching the replay a few times, I don't know how he didn't get that fourth, that conversion on third down. It looked to me on that quarterback sneak, he he was able to get enough yardage. Uh, but it, in any event, it I do think it was the right call uh, by Carl Durrell and the you know Darren Chevrini um, down there. A chance are if you do miss it, you're you know you're likely, you know, from a odd standpoint to be the next team that scores. But it, that wasn't the case. Um, all in all, uh, this was a game where I think the coaching staff uh, said publicly, you know, we'll see how the team measures up to to top talent. I think you know, the Buffs also have some you know professional prospects, and as I kind of speculated going in, this they probably knew this is a game where the scouts were going to see how they stacked up against uh, elite talent. Uh, what did we learn? I think we learned that you know if the Buffs can play like that consistently, it is a uh, championship caliber defense for sure. Uh, we also learned you know we have a ways to go offensively. We were just uh, we were just figured out I think in the second half, and and you know freshman quarterback, our passing game uh, needs to evolve. So. What I'd like to do now is just to revisit some of the early season projections that I had for CU. Uh, there were a couple things where I thought they'd be, you know, very, were areas where I thought they'd be strong and some areas where I thought they'd have some challenges. Uh, so off the top, you know, this, this defense is uh, looking uh, like it's a championship caliber defense if they can play as consistent as they played. The first two games, according to Professional Football Focus, uh, they're rated as the 13th best run defense in the nation. Uh, just from those numbers as well, we we can see we've got excellent corners, and actually the whole back seven uh, is doing an outstanding job. I think Makai um, Blackman and Christian Gonzalez are our next level uh, cornerbacks for sure, and we've been getting um, great performances from. From Mark Perry, he didn't have a great season last year. Isaiah Lewis is um, maybe not, you know, is not as highly rated in the first two games, uh, but we've also seen some contributions from Chris Miller, at least in the first game. He he's practicing this week, but he was out um, 
he was out against Texas A&M. I'm very impressed with the defensive line. Uh, Terrence Lang is is you know probably the most talented defensive lineman. He's keeping it up with pressure, consistent pressure, uh, tackles for loss. Jalen Sammy is is impressive too. He is in great shape and he's been super disruptive. Um, Naeem Rodman, uh, he had a sack against Texas A&M. He's looking good. Uh, and the good news is we're probably going to get better and deeper uh, very soon. So we expect Mustafa Johnson to be eligible by the USC game. So he was granted a waiver by the NCAA. I think when it comes to the linebacking core, we have arguably maybe the best set of linebackers that we've had at CU, and that's not a trivial statement. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously Nate Landman is, is, is back, and he's back with a vengeance. He's got a great uh, – he's having a great first couple games, and uh, like I – like I mentioned, he's on his way possibly to a, a Butkus award-winning season. And when it comes to the offense, you know, it's a split decision. Uh, the PFF numbers have us as, as the 10th best uh, running team, so that's excellent. Uh, we're much farther back in the passing, and I'm not even sure if I have the latest updated numbers after Texas A&M, but we're about 88th, according to them, in the passing game, and I think that is generous. Um Something else, I think, you know, we, we spoke about this Turley factor, our strength and conditioning coach really getting uh, their bodies and minds in shape, and that definitely seems to be the case. We, by all accounts, have uh, an edge in conditioning, and uh, at least as far as the season goes, we ha haven't had uh, any major injuries yet. Of course, they're going to come, and we had a few in the preseason. Uh, some of the surprises uh, for me, you know, is the emergence of Montana Lamonius Craig, uh, it was also good to see Chris Miller out for one game. Not so good to see him, you know, out for the second game uh, against Texas A&M. Uh, Quinn Perry has also come on strong. I think a lot of us expected Robert Barnes to assume that other inside starting position. We'll see if that's the case, but Quinn Perry held on to it so far, and he's really playing good. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, Nate Lamman is back and as good as ever. Disappointment, uh, Levante Chenault, he's suspended indefinitely. Um, hopefully, Lamonius Craig and some others can can emerge, Daniel Arias and uh, uh, Brendan Rice. We'll see. Okay, so a couple of things I want to just touch on a bit more in depth. So we, we knew the challenge going in was at the QB position. Just, you know, we had three freshmen um, behind Brendan Lewis, uh, we have Drew Carter, and behind him, we have a walk-on freshman, Jordan Wolverton. So I think only of those, we have two scholarship quarterbacks. And when it comes to Brent, Brennan Lewis, it right, right now, his passing game is, is pretty limited. He's throwing a lot of stuff underneath. His average depth of target is about 6.8 yards, so 50% of his throws are between 0 and 10 yards. Um According to numbers, and I think from what we can observe, he is pretty accurate. So his adjusted completion rate is 68%. Um, that takes into account drop passes, but he he has been throwing the balls, um, you know, on target. Uh, it's just um, when it comes to the the throws that he needs to you know throw with some timing or with some anticipation, he's just not at all where he needs to be. 
also seems to have some trouble maybe at times picking up, uh, seeing the defense, picking up the the rush, but those are things are to be expected. Uh, on the bright side, he looks excellent uh, with his legs and his athleticism. He just needs to stay healthy. Um, you know, we need to, we have a great defense with some just average quarterbacking, uh, which I think Brennan Lewis can deliver. And at times, you know, some, some, you know, make, make some plays happen. Things happen with his legs. We should be in contention in the Pac-12 South, but he needs to stay healthy. Okay. The other biggest challenge is that tackle. And that, that is actually looking pretty good. So just to kind of catch us up, we started the season with Chance Lytle and Aaron Wiley at the, or Jake Wiley at the, uh, uh, tackle positions. Uh, last week, the transfer from Ohio State, Max Ray, did step in. And at least when it comes to pass blocking, he's doing an excellent job. He has high grades there. Not so much in, in run blocking, uh, but you know most of his numbers are coming from uh, just a limited amount of snaps. But he, he looks like he'll, he'll uh, you know, get comfortable over at that left tackle position. Uh, we also expect to see Frank Phillip arguably the best offensive lineman that we had last year return possibly as soon as this week. So he's expected to get into that, uh, that right tackle position. And if he's at full speed or when he gets to full speed, I think, uh, things are looking good. Not only are they looking good, but we have some backup in, in Wiley and, in Lytle. Okay. That's, that's, that's kind of the check-in. I think the bottom line is this is a, this is a, dangerous team, uh, for those PAC 12 opponents. Uh, I think if, if we can stay away from major injuries, especially at the quarterback position, uh, we should be able to, uh, get to a bowl this year. And I think be competitive in every game. I mean, we were competitive in the, uh, the toughest game that we had so far. Uh, but let's keep in mind, this is the ninth toughest schedule according to the preseason rankings, and it possibly is even getting tougher. I don't think anyone's anticipated how tough UCLA uh, would be. So uh, we do still have our work cut out for us. Okay, it's Minnesota this week. Uh, what do What do I know? What do we know about Minnesota? So just at a glance, I, I was able to watch a few of, you know, their I think the some couple quarters of their uh, first game against Ohio State and some of the replay against Miami of Ohio last week. Uh, Vegas has Colorado favored by two. Um, Minnesota is led by a charismatic uh, coach, PJ Fleck. He's into, you know, row the boat and that sort of thing. Right now, um, they're one and one. So they gave Ohio State a really good game. It was closer than expected against Miami of Ohio last week. Um, so that puts them at about a power ranking um, of 80 or 86, according to FBS in the nation. Um, but they do return a lot of production. I think 10, so 10 starters on both sides of the ball. Uh, some of their tendencies, I think, that we should be looking for, uh, they want their physical program. They're big and, and strong up front. Uh, they want to establish the run and from that, you know, run some play action and run, uh, run pass option type of schemes. Um, 
their O-line is probably their strongest. Well, it is their strongest rated unit according to the rankings by uh, winning edge, college football winning edge. It's led by uh, a monster Blaze Andres. His his player ranking, one of the rankings they use is a video game ranking. So VGA rating is about 96. The top is 100. So he is uh, rated super high on the offensive line. I also have heard from Carl Durrell that they they line up uh, – you know, offensive linemen from time to time at the tight end position. So they like to be big, mean, physical up front. Uh, defensively, um, doesn't sound like they've had a sack yet, uh, but I expect them to crowd the box because of our, you know, young quarterback and our, you know, the way he uses his legs. They'll try to stop our running game. They'll start, try to stop our quarterback from running and contain him, and they'll try to force our young quarterback to throw the ball deep. Um, they'll probably give him the under, underneath stuff. But uh, some of the players, other players to watch, so QB Tanner Morgan, number two, he's a dual option threat. Um, and their running back right now is is Terrence Potts. He had 180 yards and two, DD, two TDs last week. Uh, they're all Big Ten Running back Mohamed Ibrahim is out for the season. He was injured in the first game against Ohio State. Uh, their top receiver, Chris Altman Bell, is expected to return from injury this week to play the Buffs. Uh, Dylan Wright has stepped up. He's a big target. He was a transfer from either Texas Tech or Texas A&M. Uh, he had a couple touchdowns last week in 80 yards, but he was also he had to leave the game dinged up. But he uh, is is probable this week. Um, uh, a couple others, It's it, you know, just watching the game, they had some pretty active uh, linebackers. They like to play, you know, kind of rush the gaps, and they seem to, to me to be looking good on tape, at least against the run. Uh, up front, they've got a transfer from, from Clemson. They've got a, a couple guy, young guys who, who have a lot of uh, talent. But Boye Mafi, number 34, is their highest rated uh, defensive lineman. He's got like the 93 VGA rating, so he's pretty high. All right, so that is uh, Minnesota. Now let's jump into some of the uh, keys of the game as I see them or things that I'd like to see, uh, see you do this week. So um, my impression is that Minnesota is comparable in many respects to Texas A&M. They may not have the talent. They don't have the talent level that Texas A&M does, but they are physical. They have kind of a, a mobile quarterback. Uh, they like to establish the run and um, have an aggressive defense that tries to stop the run. And uh, so on the buff side, I think it's more or less just rinse and repeat the some of the things that I wanted to see them do last week against Texas A&M. So for starters, we just, you know, prime the passing game by that. I mean, you know, let's get some high percentage play calling, creative play calling early that gets the hands in the, the ball in the hands of the receivers uh, that gets um, Brennan Lewis to, to generate some momentum. I'm hoping that we get, more of the tight ends involved. We had, a little, I think, Brady Russell had three catches, so that's not bad last week. But 
perhaps we'll see maybe even the fullback. I didn't see much from Jaylee Stacks last week, but he's also a very good receiver. At least he's flashed in camp and uh, spring practice last year is uh, able to catch the ball. Uh, maybe some of those other tight ends deeper in the, the depth chart, like Christian Fourier, Matt Lynch, um, Alex Pell can get into the passing game. Um, I'd like to see more of that multiple look scheme. So early on, um, you know, they showed some creative ways that they were potentially could use the wide receiver. So lots of motions and, and handoffs and fake handoffs, things like that, that hopefully will open up some running lanes, but there's got to be more there, I think, and hopefully we're more effective uh, this week with with some schemes. Um, maybe they should borrow um, some of the playbook from Texas A&M and get some of those jet sweeps, wheel routes, whip routes from our running backs. Uh, you know, Gerard, Jared Broussard, uh, Clayton also has a, a nasty whip route. Fontenot, I think they all can catch the ball. So um, that's uh, that's maybe an option. Uh, the other thing is, I don't know if you saw the Oregon game, but they were using kind of this option scheme, kind of a, a different take on the option scheme with their with their quarterback, who I think is named Anthony Jones. Um, but they really use that effectively. Why don't we just, you know, uh, steal that, steal a few of those plays or uh, adapt them a little bit. Uh, just like last week, and probably this is one I like to see every week, but either you know a fast drive a physical drive use tempo in the late third or early fourth quarter that just uh a long drive that wears the defense uh, you know minnesota defensive linemen out especially their big man uh we do i believe have a conditioning advantage we do have you know altitude in our favor we're, we're accustomed to it they are not so uh leverage that get some key drives. That's one thing we just didn't get last week. We just couldn't uh, get the first downs we needed to, to wear out their defense. And uh, we ended up being the ones that were on the field too long. Um, and finally, just, you know, another step forward in the passing game, uh, especially in those anticipation and kind of timing routes. Maybe we can uh, get some plays spe specifically designed to sort of, uh, push the ball downfield between the 10 and 20 yard range. And, uh, you know, I don't expect a lot from the passing game, but, uh, I, I, I am, you know, after reviewing some of Brendan Lewis's throws from the Texas A&M game. Yeah. I, I do think for the most part, he, he is accurate. Um, and they, they are going to crowd the box, but hopefully he can make them pay, uh, both with his legs and, and, with his arm, but, uh, but, but more anticipation throws and timing throws, like get, get a few of those and I'll be, I'll be happy. And, you know, just keep limiting the turnovers, of course. Okay. So I think that is about it for me. Uh, I do hope to attend this game. We'll see how that plan goes. I do have, uh, you know, young, young kiddos, but I would like to take one of them to the game. And, uh, I hear it will be a whiteout. So I guess I should dress in white and expect the buff players to come out in their, I guess, stormtrooper, all white, you know, uniforms. Um, 
but I do want the Buffs to get the win. I expect them to get the win and hope that they stay healthy and look forward to getting a going, you know, two and one heading into conference play. Okay, thanks for listening. You can find notes to this uh, newsletter at my Git review site. I'll have a link in the show notes uh, section of the where you get this podcast, uh, or you can also follow me on Twitter at Trevmon28. Go Buffs! Mm-hmm.